Good morning. My name is Ruth Gledhill and I'm the online editor of The Tablet. And today I'm joined by Jonathan Luxmore, a journalist specialising in international church affairs and who is based between Warsaw and Oxford. Now, Jonathan, you write regularly for The Tablet and one of your areas of specialism is Belarus. And I think it's fair to say um, quite a few people, excepting tablet readers, might not know a lot about Belarus. But at the moment, it is in a rather a terrible situation. It has been described by many journalists as Europe's last dictatorship. And the church's leader, the church's metropolitan, is currently um, in forced exile from his own country because he wasn't allowed to re-enter. Could you just start by giving us a little bit of the background to this? Um, so the, uh, the 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 incident with uh, Archbishop Tadej Kondrashevich, who's the president of the Bishops' Conference in Belarus, began on the 31st of August when he was travelling back from a routine trip to neighbouring Poland, and when he arrived at the border by car, was simply told, as in his own words, politely but firmly, did, that he did not have permission to enter the territory of the Republic of Belarus. He was given no explanation, and he was simply advised to get in touch with the border service in Minsk. So he then immediately wrote a letter to them saying why wasn't he being allowed home into his own country and to my knowledge still hasn't received a reply to that letter. Um, what we had from President Alexander Lukashenko who's sort of embattled at the moment as a, a great many people have not accepted what they see as um, rigged election results on the 9th of August is um, a, a statement he made to some journalists a few days after um, Archbishop Kondrashevich had been barred at the border, saying that in his view, uh, Kondrashevich had, as he put it, taken to politics. He'd been to Poland to receive instructions in Warsaw, as he put it, and that there are also doubts about his citizenship. Um, and it was suspected that he may also have citizenship of another country, which was not allowed under Belarusian law. Um, again, there's been nothing further by way of an explanation, no indication as to if and when the Archbishop will be allowed back at all. The the, the, the situation just now is that the Vatican's um, uh, Secretary for Relations with States, um, Archbishop Paul Gallagher, who's from Liverpool British um, is in Minsk on a four-day working visit. Um, it seems to me if it's going on for four days it suggests they've got quite a lot um, that the, 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 there's quite a lot that he's discussing with government officials in Minsk and um, one can expect that there should be some sort of, sort of an announcement about Archbishop Kondrashevich when that visit ends uh, actually to, uh, I believe today Monday um, so we simply have to wait and see what happens but it's obviously a very tense situation it's it's very uh, I mean extraordinary that the head of the Catholic Church in a country should be um, refused permission to re-enter his own country, of which he's a citizen and um, in which he's lived already for many years, having sort of had other assignments in other countries. Now, I'm among those people who actually know very little um, about Belarus. It's not an area I've studied previously, but from what little I've read, the Archbishop has been extremely careful over the years in what he said, not to be party political, but to simply stand for the church's teachings on um, social justice and um, um, on moral thought. So what, what, um, what, what has he done to upset the president so much? 
Well, I think what's upset them is that, as you say, the Catholic Church in Belarus, which is seen by many people as, as something like a buffer state between Russia and its Western uh, and, and NATO in the West, has um, uh, uh, certainly in the period since Soviet rule has uh, um, adopted a very sort of quiescent, sort of low profile position in the country. I think um, both Kondrashevich and his predecessor, Cardinal Kazimierz Świątek, um, took the line that provided that, that you know they were they were pretty free to um, to worship God as they wanted. The, the, the Catholic Church was free to function. Um, it wasn't up to them to sort of react to every big sort of public issue that that came up. It's it's very very unlike the situation in Poland, for example, where the Catholic Church constantly speaks about public issues. I think they felt this was this was their role. Well, what has changed everything um, is simply the situation since the elections on the 9th of August. And um, the, the the election uh, commission in Belarus awarded um, President Lukashenko 80% of the votes for his sixth consecutive presidential election victory. He's already been in power for 26 years. This was vigorously rejected by opposition candidates who said that according to all the, uh, the counts that had been made independently, this didn't correspond to the result at all. And that's, of course, what triggered the protests and in turn triggered a very brutal reaction from the government and from from the police and the security forces. And I think in these circumstances, um, Archbishop Kondrashevich said what felt, you, you know, this, this is not a question of talking about politics, it's a question of talk about moral, moral, moral and ethical problems that have arisen. And, and clearly when the police are beating, I mean, as far as one can tell, in, perfectly innocent people in the streets, throwing them into jail with no right of representation, in some cases not even food, and many accounts of uh, torturing and beating them in jail as well. This is something which church leaders must speak out. They must appeal for peace and negotiations and understanding and so forth. This is not a political issue, it's a moral issue. And I think that's what really change everything. I, 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 I was just going to finish and say, I think that's what caught the, the government by surprise. They're not accustomed to hearing the Catholic Church speaking out in this way, least of all the head of the Catholic Church. Um, and, and, uh, and I think this is what has sort of enraged them. And they've clearly, I mean, I think a lot of people say sort of absurdly overreacted by barring him from re-entering the country. Yes, because it's made it a cause celebre and which is transcending international boundaries. Now, Catholics in Belarus are, are a minority, fewer than one in 10, I believe, of the population. Correct me if I'm wrong. And mm -hmm. um, most of those uh, practice the Roman Rite, but there's also quite a substantial minority who are Eastern Rite Catholics. Um, so this archbishop is, you know, what head of um, uh, people, fewer than one in five, maybe? How, how many would you say, roughly? Uh, fewer well, than one, one in 20, yeah, I mean, sorry. Yes, you always have to be. You always have to be slightly careful when it comes to putting a figure for church membership and church affiliation, particularly active church affiliation. But it's it's likely that Catholics make up a bit, as you say, a bit less than ten uh, percent. And traditionally, the figure is sixty percent of Belarusians would regard themselves as being linked with orthodoxy. I say linked with orthodoxy because, of course, a far far smaller number, um, as as in most countries today, are actually in any way practicing their their faith. But but it is small. It has four dioceses. Um, combining about 500 parishes altogether um, and the, the Catholic Church is listed as a traditional faith under Belarusian state law it's, it's important that it's regarded as traditional it's not a new coming faith it's, in other words it's recognized under the law that it's always been there um, but um, of course as, as a minority this is one of the reasons I think why they've kept quite a low profile and not not sort of spoken out vigorously um, uh, 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 over the last three decades or so. So um, Yes, yeah, so it's extraordinary that the president would then accord such weight to what the archbishop is saying. Uh, is, is that because um, 
the Catholic Church there is obviously part of the wider Catholic Church, the Universal Catholic Church, and because his words have been picked up by the international media. Uh, yeah, this is obviously crucial. Um, although the Catholic Church is a minority, it's a very weighty and important minority, and it opens out um, to a great sort of international body. It has the Vatican and the Pope standing behind it as well. It has the Catholic Church in neighbouring Poland, of course, which is a very powerful presence in Poland, whichever way one uh, 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 one looks at it. So although it's a small church, he has to treat the Catholic Church very carefully. And this is why I, I, I mean, I, one can only see this as a kind of drastic mistake. If, it, if it's, if it's, um, if it's intended somehow to in, intimidate the Catholic Church, it clearly isn't working because other Belarus bishops um, are pitching in and saying pretty much the same things as Kondrashevich had been saying. The, the, the bishops' conference in neighbouring Russia, um, and it's very unusual. They also keep a very, very low profile. They've sent a very sort of glowing letter of solidarity, actually, just a couple of days ago, to Archbishop Kondrashevich and to the Church in Belarus, and of course the Church in. Poland um, is being sort of slight, slightly cautious, actually, not to get directly involved in, in in the dispute that's going on. But 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 clearly, I mean, if, if he somehow felt that this would um, sort of cower the the church in Belarus into silence, this is clearly a, a drastic mistake. But but as I say, we'll we'll hear from the Vatican um, envoy who's there. Um, what is coming out again? I mean, if they suddenly announced that he's going to be allowed back after all, and it was all a misunderstanding, I think that would be the solution everybody hopes for. If Lukashenko and his government are going to brazen it out and say, no, we're not going to allow um, priests, in the, priests into the country or bishops into the country who are going to play politics, then that, of course, is going to land him in a lot of trouble because the Catholic Church is not going to back off and it's not going to go quiet um, in the face of uh, intimidation attempts like this. Well, I hope you'll um, come back um, later on today or tomorrow and, and unpack what the Vatican is saying and um, to see where we are after that. Um, just uh, finally, if you could, could you just put this into some wider political context for us, because the president has himself described his own regime as authoritarian, yet technically he is elected, um, even now, technically. So what, what is a landlocked country, as, as everybody knows, and... Um, and it's and what, how has it found itself in this this position going into this form of dictatorship now that we're seeing? Um, well, I think the reason for that can only really be that um, both east and west, um, so to speak, uh, talking of sort of amorphous blocks, had an interest in having a country like Belarus where it is. As I said at the beginning, it would be a kind of buffer state between NATO and Russia. And it was quite, I mean, one has to look at these things in sort of real politic terms sometimes. Um, it, it wasn't really a high priority just as to how, how sort of vibrant um, democracy would be in Belarus, how strong the rule of law would be. What was important is that this was simply a country that was keeping quiet, that was sort of getting on with its own affairs, that by all means prospering, but that was not going to sort of start shifting its axes between um, East and West. It was simply going to stay where it is. And it's very important to, to at, at the moment to recognise that the opposition forces in Belarus, I, I think, have very much um, learned lessons from what happened in Ukraine. And I'm not aware of any opposition forces talking about Belarus joining um, NATO, joining the European Union, moving to the West, because I think they learned lessons from Ukraine that Russia will simply not tolerate that. And, and it would rather sort of you know, invade the country or, or in, intervene very directly in its affairs rather than allow that to happen. I think what they're simply saying is that they want to have a normal function functioning democracy. They want to have a sort of happy, prosperous society in which people have rights which can be relied upon. They want to have a, a vibrant rule of law in Belarus. And that's simply what they're fighting for. And the beginning of all of that 
um, to make that possible has to be that you have fair elections which produce representative results which are honoured um, by the parties concerned. And if you have a case where um, a very large proportion of the population considers that the election results are not to be relied on and the president has imposed his rule um, and is continuing to do so irrespective of people's wishes, that's of course where you have you, you, uh, you have trouble. So that's that's wider international context. Um, whether anything is going to change in the long run, um, one has to hope that it will. Um, but, but of course, one can't count on it. No, good. Well, we'll talk again very soon, Jonathan. Thank you so much for um, enlightening us on, on what is happening in this complex area of the world. OK, thank you for having me, Ruth.